0: Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby and your host, DJ Payne.
1: G'day and welcome to episode 64 of your favorite podcast, Thrive Deeper. It's DJ here with you and on this week's episode, Matthew Jacoby and myself will sit down and we'll look at two chapters in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 11, where the writer of Hebrews looks at the old and the new and compares the two and then looks ahead to faith. Oh, this is some wonderful, wonderful stuff. And Matthew and I, looking forward to having you along on this journey. Please grab your pens, grab your paper, grab your Bible. And let's make some notes together as we go through Hebrews 10 and 11. I've also got a brand new special promotion to let you know about, something that I know that you're going to want to be a part of. So make sure you listen through the whole episode to find out about that. I'll see you at the other end of the podcast to let you know different ways you can contact us. But now let's get into Hebrews chapter 10 and 11 with Matthew Jacoby. This might have been one of the busiest weeks of my life ever Matt truly truly like hectic hectically wow. busy and the centerpiece of this week and reason why I might little bit be, be a little bit off my game today is because I have just done a weigh in in the middle of this week right. for a 16 week physical challenge health and f- physical yeah, challenge yeah. cut a very long story short I over the last 3 let's say 3 months I've lost 29 kilograms. Whoa. Yeah, just, just, just on, the, on 29 kilograms. I'm halfway to my overall goal. I've given myself a year to lose 60 kilos. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's Some of our listeners might actually weigh 60 kilos. My wife <laughs> is less than 60 kilos. My little wife, Benita, <laughs> is about 59 kilos, 58. So I'm going to lose my entire wife in weight <laughs> over the space of a year. Um, so it's been a very fun. Uh, and then we've also had a lot of great projects going on here uh, where we record and where I work in the mornings at 96.3 FM, uh, Geelong Christian Media and Geelong We've had an operation, uh, it's called Wrap Geelong. We've been collecting blankets for refugees and Mm. and Australians, asylum seekers, being resettled into Geelong. Mm. We were hoping for about 100 blankets. 400 blankets went off today to be given to families Mm. who are coming to Geelong in the middle of winter and freezing. So it's been a full-on hectic week. I'm all over the place, but you know what? I'm so excited because this is my favourite section of my favorite book in the Bible Hebrews 10 and 11. Yeah. This is so exciting what we're going to be covering yeah. off this week. So uh, so we've spent the last couple of episodes going through that introduction in Hebrews, which is basically setting up all the ways that Christ is preeminent, preeminent and superior over what has come before. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting into Christ's sacrifice once and for all. Yeah, how that causes us to persevere in our faith, and then we get into chapter eleven, the great examples of the faith beginning in that. So Matt, let's let's get started.
0: Yeah. So in um, in chapter ten we have the, basically the continuation of that theme. Now we've been saying that uh, the book of Hebrews is constantly setting up comparisons, comparisons between the old and the new, because of course uh, the um, people that the writer of Hebrews. Is writing to um, are in danger of slipping back. There's this enormous temptation for them to go back because, of course, they've been estranged from their Jewish community. They're being persecuted. Um, this is really difficult for them because of the, the very close knit nature of the Jewish community as well. They're being uh, kind of ca- they're being out- cast out, as it were, and. So there's this enormous temptation for them to say, oh, look, w- what did we step into this for? Let's just go back to uh, to our, yeah. our Judaism because uh, that just seems easier, whereas the writer is saying, no, you just can't do that because that is actually – that has all been fulfilled. So that is obsolete. There are so many elements of that that are obsolete. And, um, and that is the case with – because this is um, at a time when the sacrifices are still functioning – um, the writer is saying you can't go back to that now because you have tasted the new, yeah. and you're accountable now for what you know. You're, you're accountable now for this knowledge, this connection that you've had with Christ, mm. with this greater thing, with the new covenant. And it's interesting in um, uh, so in you know in chapter eleven he talks about Christ's sacrifice being a once and for all sacrifice because as he said, listen, the blood of bulls and goats yeah. that never. That, that never really did the job. That never really took away sin. That was just a symbol pointing forwards. Uh, so this is not something uh, to go back to. Then he quotes from Jeremiah chapter 31. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declare the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts, write them on their minds. Um, so he is... Uh, he is pointing out that they've stepped into the new once you step into the new there's no
1: going back to the old yeah that's all in chapter ten do you, that's do you, all in chapter ten yeah and then can I can I just chip yeah. in in chapter ten to me like I've said before and and you've when you asked me and put me on the spot of why I love Hebrew so much and i've yeah. had I've had believe it or not I've had a little bit of flack come back for me i <laughs> a, a because like like a parent talking about a child, you're not supposed yeah. to have any favourites. You know what yeah. I mean? And we're talking about the the Bible where the yeah. entire Bible is for our glory. You know, how dare you have a favourite yeah. book in, in the Bible? And I'm like, I'm sorry. But to me, this is like, again, because I had such a over – over the years, I've had such a deep exp- spiritual experience with this book – it is like a touchstone for me. It's like going back and every time mm. I come back, it's like walking past that altar of mm. stones you know that the Old Testament mm. uh, you know heroes would have. and and again, reading through chapter ten to me, it's it's the it's one of the culminations. I feel like the power of this chapter, mm. it yeah. really only takes hold if you have yeah. invested yourself in the Old Testament. Yeah. But, yeah, it that's is so, right, yeah. but it is so deep and holy. Yeah, It is so mystical in the sense of mm. he lays out what was happening in Moses and the grant, like, like, unless you really get it in your head that the high priest went in once a year to the holy place yeah. and it's like a, a, a terrible thing, yeah. a terrible thing about yeah. the holiness of God and then the point of it's all being torn t- t- away and we can enter boldly yeah. with confidence anytime we want, yeah. oh my goodness, yeah. it hits me and strikes me like a thunderbolt, like a lightning that I, yeah. I can't experience. It's that that's terror right. every that's time right. I read And it. that's
0: exactly where he goes in chapter 10. I mean, yeah. th- this is this is the lid. I mean, the book of Hebrews, the teaching in the book of Hebrews is the, it's it's like the cap, it's the finishing touch oh. to the covenants of God throughout the Old Testament, all of what was central to Jewish life, yes, the sacrificial system. It, it's all. This yeah. is the cap on that. This, it's, is, it's the, the this is the culmination. It's the culmination of all of that. I, I, I for one, you, you couldn't. You, you couldn't really have. I mean, the Bible is incomplete without the Book of Hebrews. You, you can't. I hate to. I hate to say it, but I think you're right. Absolutely, because it's it's what puts the cap on all of that stuff. It's what it brings all of the imagery all, on all of the typology. In the Old Testament, from the idea of Sabbath yes. to the idea that the priesthood, yeah. the sacrifices, yeah. the temple, yeah. uh, even the idea of Mount Zion, because he goes to talk about a heavenly Mount Zion, yeah. you know, the place of Jerusalem, even the people of God, yes. Israel as a national people, is mm. then a symbol of a of, of the
1: what of, the rest of is. The greater, you know, the work of Christ, Melchizedek yeah. All these different things are woven in such a That's powerful right. way that I think if you dwell enough in it, this is my encouragement, this is my way of encouraging mm. you, if you've been ploughing through the book of Hebrews going, oh, my goodness, this is gobbledygook, I can't get through it because some people have complained yeah. like it's so deep and dense. Yeah. My my, my heartfelt recommendation yeah. is just pray yeah. and keep ploughing through it because yeah. it's it's so powerful, so beautiful, and it it crushes me every time, you yeah. know, in, in, in it, and I'm so overwhelmed with what Christ has yeah. done for
0: us. What, one of the... One of the, the key things in chapter 10 uh, that highlights the supremacy of Christ, and of course this is a big thing in the book of Hebrews, is the fact that, Christ was, that this sacrifice in Christ was offered once and for all. Yes. And he highlights the fact that these sacrifices were offered year after year after year, again yeah. and again and again. And that, for him, proves the fact that they were not efficacious, that they
1: they didn't really do the job. And there's a double barrel to that. This is the thing that I love about the pastor here writing in Hebrews, whether it's Paul or somebody else we don't know. But he says, like, A, this blood, this sacrifice system didn't work. Like it was a holding pattern for now because it didn't actually – it's a sign of something more. It's a pattern of something more, shadow of what's to come because it didn't actually forgive the sins in and of itself – Plus, Mm. it didn't solve the conscience. He mentions the fact that the guilt is still there. The feeling of guilt is still there. That's right. Because you're doing this, you know, you're in this sacrifice. And I'm like, oh, that is so full on. But now through Christ, we have this, not only is our sins actually taken away by the actual blood of Christ, of God himself, but we can be free in our conscience. Oh, and that's and that's the point
0: of of his quotation of Jeremiah 31 mm. because Jeremiah 31 talks about writing the laws on their hearts and on their minds, mm. right? And and by law it's not only law in that directives of what we should do, but law in the sense of Torah like what God has done as well—it's—it's it's law as in the sense of covenant. Yes, you know? yes. So this new covenant is actually written on their hearts. Oh. Now, and he contrasts this with the external nature of the symbols mm. that that pointed forward to this, but they actually didn't do anything necessarily internally. But this is, this is internal. Yeah. This is uh, this. The new covenant is. Uh, the Holy Spirit coming and testifying to our spirit that we are children of
1: God, that we are accepted, and that yeah. we are forgiven, and cleansing our conscience. Yeah. that He's talking about. It is yeah. so. This this chapter to me is a little bit of my holy of holies. Yeah, that's when right. I get into here, I feel, I get a little bit trembly and I get a little bit yeah. emotional emotional yeah. because I think I'm entering into a place that is, you know, far greater than what I can actually comprehend. Yeah. But it's so beautiful.
0: Yeah, the the crowning verses of um. Of this, really, the whole argument in the book, I think, is from verse nineteen, where he says in chapter ten, where he says, mm. "Therefore, brothers, since we have a, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, and I mean that's that in, that in itself, we, we can all." Whereas it was only priests yes. and it places, so yep. that's plural. So he's talking about even the most holy place yeah. where only the, the high priest went once a year. Mm. He's saying we, we can go there. Not in a symbolic sense like no. the high priest, but actually in reality yeah. we can go there. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. So uh, since we have confidence and we can do that confidently because why? Because our consciences have been cleansed. Yes. To enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up, uh, for us, through the curtain, Bang. that is through his flesh, so that's into the most holy place. Mm. Um, and since and he's, he's building, this is the cumulative uh, yep. argument. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true with a true heart, in full assurance of faith that our hearts uh, with our hearts sprinkle clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is pro- he who promises faithful it's a it's it's oh. really the culmination of that and it's a wonderful com- culmination of course there's the warning there as well let us hold fast hold fast to this this is worth
1: giving everything for yeah yeah and that's a very pauline way of structuring <laughs> an argument or yep. building you know almost preaching is he goes into this Deep theological place. And like you say, those verses nineteen to twenty two pretty much sum up the gospel yeah. Of, of, yeah. of of that we believe as Christians. And then, boom, it's a practical example. Okay, build one another up, hold one another to yeah. you know, like all those different things, you know, there's an actual yeah. rubber hitting the road there yeah, for, right. for that passage. Yeah. Oh, it's so
0: good. And and then of course he goes into another one of these really heavy warnings. Yes. And this is this is the um in, in, in as much as he dials up the, um, you know, the wonderful nature of the gospel that he's explained there yep. in Christ and what Jesus Christ has done, he is at the same time at the same time dialing up the warnings. Yeah, it's like this is how good this is, <laughs> so this is how accountable we are. Therefore, That's it. Uh, As a result, and so he says, verse twenty six: If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth. There, is, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin oh. but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. I mean... Uh, oh. And then he makes another, yet another comparison. Anyone who set aside the law of Moses died without, uh, without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, and who has profaned the blood of the covenant which He has sanctified? I mean, again, there's another. Comparison. If that was the case, then, uh, you know, and and. I mean, it's interesting because we would look at the Old Testament and say, "Oh, gee, they were, God was so harsh on them mm. when they broke that covenant." Well, <laughs> this <laughs> the is even worse. Hebrews is, is saying this is now even we're even more accountable accountable because this is so much because this is the fulfillment of that covenant. Yeah. So it's heavy, but by when he says deliberately go on sinning after receiving the truth remember in the context he's talking about if you continue to if you um if you go backwards reject Christ yeah, yeah. and continue in that you're done for there's no there's no hope yeah for you. there's no hope for you, you so he's not he's not just talking because in the comment in the sorry in the context yes the going on sinning refers to apostasy, yes. Not just to oh, because people might think, oh my goodness, but I like I still sin yeah. every day. Yeah. And and it, well, yes, and in fact, it says in one John one, if yeah. you say you're without sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you. So that's acknowledged in the in the New Testament. That's not what this is talking about. No, not at this all. This is talking about persistent apostasy, and mm-hmm. by apostasy, I mean an outright rejection of Jesus uh, for any reason and. Here the reason being to go back to the old
1: covenant ways yeah uh, this this is you know phenomenal, and this is where we get that if you're a fan of uh you know uh, you know historical preaching and famous sermons, you get verse thirty one you know that where yeah. a lot of people have uh you know had uh, there's volumes yeah. written about this yeah. one verse, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God yeah oh. And, and sometimes we forget that as Christiani- in Christianity today because, yeah. there is, I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong, we see yeah. that we can come boldly. Yeah. We see about God's mercy to us. This is full in this chapter. But it is we forget about the fear and the terror and the raging awesome fire, yeah. not a fire of like sometimes when we sing or talk yeah. about fire in the church, we talk, we talk about a lovely feeling. But the writer of Hebrews is like, no, God is a consuming fire yeah. that is holy. It is a terrible thing in yeah. a sinful state to fall into the hands of a loving God. Yeah, we do.
0: It, it is a perspective. Perhaps we perhaps we block this out. Maybe it's, diffi- it's difficult for us to talk about this because maybe people think, oh, but God seems so mean. Uh, no, no because the whole book has just talked about how God came to us in Jesus Christ yes. could not have given more mm. to open the doors to the kingdom to us, so that we would not receive what actually we rightfully uh, deserve, mm. which is which is punishment. He did all of this so that we could receive the grace that, and the favor that we don't deserve. So if we, the and the point here is if we reject that, then you're left actually with the thing that God does not want, and that is you're left with with eternal divine justice. Yeah. And he says here, and that's a fearful thing. Yeah. You don't want that. No. So um, there is that perspective. There's there. I think these warnings uh, have so much weight because, you know, we're dealing here with God. We're dealing with things of eternal significance. We can't play this stuff down. Mm. It's not just a nice option or... Oh, yeah, that didn't work and that's what they're dealing with here. Mm. Oh, yeah, that didn't really work for me because I'm getting lots of opposition. I'll just go back to the No, no, No. it's not an option among many. This is the eternal God has come come to us in Christ and done this and that now changes history forever. That changes everything.
1: And it doesn't just affect... The, the readers the he the the Jewish readers who are reading it who are facing that that yeah. persecution this is true for us now because yeah. there is we don't even have the option to go back to an old covenant we have come from a Gentile background yeah. of nothing yeah. you know so when we are faced with the truth of the gospel of Jesus that's our only option there is yeah. nothing else to fall yeah. back into so yeah, that's right yeah. I, I feel like it's applicable to us today yeah, as absolutely. well absolutely
0: yeah absolutely
1: well. And as, so as we wrap up chapter ten, we want to move into into chapter eleven. I love the fact that the practical, the very impractical examples of this. This is where he builds into. Okay, so what do we do with all of this now? Well, you live a patient, enduring lifestyle. Yeah. You remember yeah, what right. what the good things are, and you live this lifestyle of of peaceableness. Yeah. You live this lifestyle of encouraging one another, and remember to have faith. Yeah, and and that leads into chapter eleven.
0: That's right, and he finishes. Chapter ten finishes with the words, "But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed." You know, it's like I'm giving you these warnings, but I look. This is, yeah. it's this is not you. Come yes, on, yes. Uh, uh, but but we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls, and and then. He goes on and he talks about faith, yeah. in and chapter eleven, very well known uh, chapter.
1: Yeah, and it's such a pastor's heart that that wrapping up yeah. of chapter ten with all these dire warnings and deepness. Yeah. In the end, he's like, you know, like you hear that softness yeah. of a pastor's heart saying, "No, no, no," but I believe, I believe you're the good yeah. ones. You know, like I believe yeah. the best in you. Yeah, it's so beautiful. G'day family, it's DJ here, and I've got a very exciting brand new opportunity for you to partner with us here at Thrive. Now, you probably don't know this, but at Thrive, we currently provide over 3,000 copies of each and every edition of our booklet into prisons. That's right, these are distributed through the Prison Chaplaincy Network to both adult prisons and juvenile correction centres here in Australia and New Zealand. Also goes into men's prisons, women's prisons, and both juvenile centres. Now the demand for these Thrive booklets in these centres are huge. We can barely keep up with it. This is why we're asking you to partner with us. For just $16 per year, you can sponsor four copies of each and every edition of Thrive for distribution through the prison chaplains. That equals $1 for each copy of Thrive now the work of Thrive in the prisons is absolutely phenomenal I didn't really know much about this before I started working on the podcast but the letters we've received out of prisons are phenomenal next week I want to read you a letter that we've received about the testimony of a lady who has been in prison and read Thrive. It's going to blow your socks off, but I want to ask you right now to join with us to provide the hope of Jesus Christ to people in our prisons. With your generous donation, we can continue to send thousands of copies of the Thrive booklet into our prisons through our chaplaincy network. So All you have to do is visit thrivetoday.net.au. That's our main website online, thrivetoday.net.au, and click on sponsor a prison subscription. Look for prison subscription. It's that simple. Thank you so much for your time. Now, let's get back into Hebrews with Matt on this edition of Thrive Deeper.
0: Step now over into chapter eleven. Um, this is an immensely interesting chapter for a number of reasons. Uh, beginning even with the first uh, couple, the first uh, couple of verses, first verse even. Yeah. Um, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's in the ESV translation, which is a fairly literal translation. Mm. Faith is the assurance of things. Hope for the conviction of things not seen. Um, now, first of all, the assurance faith is the assurance. The Greek word that's used there is the word um, hypostasis, which is um, denoted tangible reality in contrast to something that is mere appearance. Okay, mm-hmm. so faith is like a
1: tangible reality. Well, that, that's a classic because in the uh, I've got the uh, New Living Translation pulled up over here, and yeah. verse one is faith. Shows the reality of what we hope for. Yeah, it is the evidence of the things we cannot see. Yeah,
0: and um, conviction it it sort of complements that. Mm. Uh, This is like has this sense of being a proof or a demonstration. So that's Mm. uh, that goes there. Now the background to this is is interesting because um, clearly the writer of Hebrews has. not only the Jewish world in mind in this chapter, but he has the Greek philosophical world in mind here. Yes. Now, remember, there's there's a strong conversation going on there, and there were numbers, uh, you know, there were Jewish thinkers who really bought into Greek philosophy. Jewish thinkers like Philo, uh, who um, who really incorporated elements of, of Greek philosophical thought. So, um, the the background at the time. Has there is this idea of faith as being the sort of poor cousin of knowledge? Yes. It's like, um, well, if you can't really know, yeah, yeah, and 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 I think we should also define what people meant by knowledge. Um, now, the the dominant sort of approach to knowledge, uh, and a th- we we refer to theory of knowledge as epistemology as a theory of knowledge. So the dominant epi- epistemological view. In those days, was the Aristotelian one, which was um, what you refer to, what we refer to as empiricism. Now, empiricism basically says that all our knowledge comes from sense experience,
1: empirically known.
0: That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah, that's all our knowledge comes from sense experience. So this is this is a dominant way of thinking. Now, so f- faith in the Greek world is is what you just have to have when you don't have knowledge. But knowledge is. Is what you really go for yeah. now? I mean, um, Aristotle begins his metaphysics with the words, if, I'm get, if I remember this rightly, uh, "Man by nature desires to know." That he, in fact, he, he in in the metaphysics, he defines a human being as a, essentially a rational creature that that wants to know as a knowing kind of creature. Yeah. So. But and this sort of empirical knowing, you know, man by nature wants to know. Like empirical, I want to see, you know. So, um, so faith is seen really as a very, very poor substitute mm. to real knowledge. Mm. Now, this is the genius of this first verse: is that <laughs> what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that he's. Rather than contrast there's faith and then there's real knowledge or even faith and knowledge.
1: Or even the other, yeah. yeah, yeah, He's
0: saying that faith actually is a kind of knowledge. Hmm. And, in fact, he's saying faith is an even better kind of knowledge Hmm. because it's not grounded just in the um passing sense experience uh but it it is it connects us with an eternal reality um there's something almost a little bit platonic about that uh, idea but that's another um <laughs> that's another idea because of course plato felt that that empirical knowledge wasn't the highest knowledge because uh everything uh everything in Empirical reality is subject to constant change yes. and perspective, yes. and so therefore, it's like you know I, I view something, but uh, everything is changing anyway. So yeah. we never quite grasp things. Yes, when we in the truest reality, in the true yeah. in the yeah. truest sense, we don't grasp really the, what Plato would say the essence of things mm. when we see things through the senses. Yes, it's actually through uh, a higher kind of knowledge that we grasp. The the real essence yeah. of reality, you know. Now that's that's a Platonic idea, but I think um, uh, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that faith is like the um, faith is like the the means through which we grasp that higher reality. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to talk in a Platonic sense, and I'm not sure he's doing that, but that there is that background, yes, uh, though, because Ar- uh, Aristotelianism and Platonism were the two dominant schools of philosophy uh, in that day.
1: And like some people, you know, throw out there, and we don't, again, we don't know if this is one author or Paul working with a few authors, yeah. but there's definitely backgrounds from Paul and, his, and the people that he was working with yeah. that had that knowledge of yeah. that time. They were very learned oh, group that's of right. people. I
0: mean, Paul is steeped in Greek yes. philosophy, yes. clearly, and, 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 and it seems... I would say also, as clearly, that the writer of Hebrews uh, yes. is also... Now, you know, there's, there are some accounts of the authorship of Hebrews that have this being written in Alexandria because there are lots of Jewish people in Alexandria yes. that maybe this is... And of course, Apollos yes. was from Alexandria as well. So that's the case. Alexandria was a
1: centre yeah. of Greek philosophical learning. And when we say Greek, I know it sounds a bit ancient or philosophical, but it's like saying like this is the seat of modern day thinking back then. Like like yeah, at, yeah, the, time, right. at yeah. the time after Christ, this is where the deep thinking about what reality mm. is. Yeah. And so this is th- these writers using the tools and the thinking that is last of the test of time and sort of almost smashing yeah. it apart or showing how Christ is the ultimate example of this. And this is where we come into faith, which I'm loving this conversation, Matt, because as we went through the book of Matthew, both of us were very challenged about what faith is. Yeah. You know, and Jesus had a Mm. lot of different comments about what faith is and isn't Mm. in the book, in the gospel of Matthew. And so it really rocked both Mm. of us, I think about my goodness, does it mean this? Does he mean that? Is it on the, on the, on the believer's side? Is it on God's side? Is it on Jesus side? Mm. What is this faith all about? And now we get this culmination of examples of what real faith is. And, and I think, the important thing here
0: is is to understand faith as a kind of knowledge, because um, the uh, the sense here is that faith itself is the assurance. I mean, it's interesting the way that this is put. Faith itself is the assurance, yeah. and this is because faith is essentially our connection with God. I mean, we are we are connected with God through faith. Faith is a uh, not just an intellectual thing yeah. that, that i 'm just going to assume something is true when i don 't have evidence yeah. uh, he 's actually saying something quite different to that mm-hmm. and even countering that sort of idea he 's saying no faith is the evidence yeah. faith actually is your evidence and it 's and and that and here we need to think of faith as more than just an intellectual thing but as uh, as also and very much a matter of the will through which we are connected with God yeah. so our connection with God so you So the idea here is, let's bring this back to the, make this, to put, ground this a little bit to this original context, right? Yes. So they're thinking uh, that we're in this situation. How is this going to work out? He wants to say, just trust in God. God will bring this uh, to, he will bring his will through. Well, we don't see that. We don't, you know, there's no evidence of that. Yes. Well, he's saying, no, faith is your evidence. Okay. Because... Your faith is connecting you with God right now, and God is past, present, and future. Yeah. So it's like, like, okay, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's say I'm really concerned about something. Oh, man, how's this situation going to turn out, uh, you know, next week or tomorrow? Now, I can't – I have no sensory connection with – like I'm experiencing now, but I'm not experiencing tomorrow. But God – is not bound by time. Yes. And God is present with me. And I'm connected with God. So in God, I'm actually connected with the future. Mm. You know, yeah. so I am uh, so so my faith, which is my connection with God, yeah. actually is the evidence. It it's it's like this connection, it's like uh it, it, spiritual sight yes. where I I am connected with with the outcome, because I am connected with the God who said, "I am faithful, and I've got this." Yeah.
1: So, it, so it definitely, there's a sense. I love this because you're saying, like, this is talking about as he's already sets up. It's it's an evidence. Yeah. Of this connection. Yeah. It's a faith, not just a wild faith in faith itself, or mustering yeah. some feeling. Yeah. It's a faith in yeah. the ultimate person personhood of, of you know of, yeah, of right. Jesus and what he's done yeah. and God and everything like that. That's right. It's. It's, But it's also, and I think this is the key here, it's an action. Yeah. It's, a, it's an action. And we see this as he gives these different examples, there's a doing yeah. part of faith. Yeah. Not in the sense that it's by the faith that we are, you know, yeah. saved, as in, as in like, mm. you know, we're not working for yeah. our salvation. But as you say, the evidence of God actually, we connecting with God and being in God is in this faith. I like it. This might be a silly analogy, and please feel free to smash <laughs> it down for me, Matt. <laughs> I liken it to the fact that if we are falling or I'm in this sea and I'm drowning like these you know classic scenarios and you come by and you throw out a rope and you say, you know grab hold of the rope, the rope I can I can pull you in yeah and the rope now I might you know consciously say, yes, that is true yeah I know that to be true yeah, but the faith part is me that as the hand goes on yeah. the rope and I go I- you are it yeah that's that hand reaching yeah. the rope is faith yeah that's that's right it it is and and it is
0: uh it is our hold on god you know when we exercise that faith it's taking hold of the god who actually is also taking hold of us and this is the yeah it's it's a it's kind of reciprocating a work of god in us already because of course it says quite mysteriously in ephesians chapter 2 that faith is a gift of God. Yeah. And it's a gift of God in the sense that God initiates the relationship. You know, he lights the spark. And so, um, and so that, that kind of compels us to take
1: yeah. – you know, and, and we exercise the faith that we've, that we've been given. Now, you, you, we're getting, you are treading light, lightly around mm. something that I've really – this has caused me a whole rabbit trail this week. Yep. Going right. through Hebrews again is – my my wrestling, my my lifelong Christian wrestling. Yeah, this is a whole other episode of yeah of of, of another podcast, but of you know the Calvinist reform theology. Yeah, because and again, yeah. I know you're looking yeah, at yeah. me going like, no, no, go, no, go no that's that fine. Here. No, no, you know, no, we can go there that's because right. yeah. because there's so many verses in Hebrews that 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 awaken that realization, and I know it can trouble some people, and I'm not trying to talk about how hyper Calvinism or anything yeah. like that. But I'm talking about that acknowledgement mm. that we without – like it's not from me that this faith originates. Yeah. It's from God. It's a yeah. gift from him. Yeah. And I'm just sitting here going thank you for the, for the fact that I even yeah. reached out for the rope. Yeah. It didn't come from me. Because yeah. left to my own devices, I don't want to reach for that yeah. rope. I want to yeah. be by myself. Thank you very yeah. much. The, the, the mystery of the
0: um, – of the divine decrees, of predestination, of God's election, you know, oh. all of those sorts of things, they, it, it is only within a certain framework, and this be, brings us back to the difference between the sort of Greek and Hebrew way of thinking, um, within the strict logical framework of a more Greek philosophical way of thinking, that becomes a problem. It becomes uh, something to solve. In the Hebrew way of thinking, it becomes a paradox that is really a mark of divine interaction in history. Yeah. It's just a mark. It's an inevitable mark of an eternal God who is working outside of space and time, mm. dealing within space and time. So, so there's this sense of paradox in that, that in, in a Jewish way of thinking is, um, is not, you know, paradoxes are not. Are not such a big problem. We can live with that hmm. because there's that Job perspective. You know, uh, surely I spoke of things I didn't understand. Oh. Things too wonderful for me to know. Yeah. Um, whereas you Greek thinkers, no, no, but we we need to know. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so, um, yeah. So, so there there is an element of mystery in that. But there's no doubt that in the Book of Hebrews, the Book of Hebrews does not does not uh, set aside the importance. Of what we choose, yes. clearly, yes, because it's co- constantly warning. Yeah, uh, Christians even yeah. who would say, "I am among God's elect," because, uh-huh. and, and He is warning them, if you uh, if you fall away, you'll yeah. lose your salvation. Yeah, but so the, how But, how but, does he, that but, <laughs> but even <laughs> in
1: the midst of His warnings like that, He still says. You know, but if you're really, you know, like if you're really there, yeah, then you're right. not going to. You yeah. Know? So it's these double paradoxes that yeah. I've just been swimming in this week that I am reveling in the paradox. Yeah. I'm not I'm not looking for yeah, a solution right. like I used to do as a yeah. young man. I'm not looking for the correct answer that's anymore. Right.
0: And 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 I think one of the problems is not with the text, it's the way that we think yes. about the text. Because um, we ask these abstract questions. Mm. You Know, but what about? You know, I remember someone <laughs> saying to me, Well, what about you know, the person in Africa who's never heard? And, and does that mean that they're just not a I, I said, H- What's his name? Yeah, uh, in this conversation, what, what do you mean? What's I don't know. I'm just mean, oh, you mean like, like just in general, like, ab- yeah, well, the Bible just doesn't deal with abstract, <laughs> yeah, 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 problems like it just doesn't I love deal that. with that, I love you know, that. it deals with particular yeah. circumstances. And I think what happens is that we try to work. Out a kind of almost a systematic understanding of reality and fit what we read in the Bible into a bigger systematic understanding of reality. Wow. No, no. We fit into the Bible. Is we it? don't fit the Bible into something bigger, Amen. a bigger Amen. systematic Amen. understanding oh. of reality. And one of, the bigger, one of the biggest problems, I think, in, in Christian thought is the constant temptation to want to take the Bible and fit it into something bigger than the Bible. Like a, a a sort of a framework of reality yes. that can make sense of the Bible yeah. that's a big problem yeah. because there is nothing bigger than the God's revelation. there's oh. nothing bigger Preacher we mass. fit
1: in with this we don't fit this in <laughs> yeah, to yeah. some other big Amen. framework and that's a great that's a great uh, introduction and a great segue into the examples for the rest of, uh, of chapter yeah, 11. that's right because yeah. he is being particular he's naming names. that's right and not only is he naming names He's rocking our perception of some of these Bible stories. He's naming people. That's like right. We get a lot of great names. Don't get me wrong. We get a lot of great heroes of the faith and saints in, in God's kingdom. Yep. But then he starts naming people that I'm going, hang on. Yeah, yeah. Hang on. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> like Rahab. Yeah. Uh, really? Did she? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, but again, it stretches our understanding of what faith yeah, is. Yeah, that's right. And And what God is doing. And oh my goodness! Well, it's uh, actually really wonderful because some, like some of these characters,
0: think, "Oh man, look what they did!" And I could never have faith like that. But then it mentions Rahab, mm. and you think, "Ah, oh, oh. so and she's given equal commendation to everyone else." Yeah. So you realise that that it's not about achievement, or it's just this sense of being of being in touch with this unseen reality. Yeah. And responding to that yeah.
1: as we are meant to respond in the moment. Now, a, a bit of a meta, uh, meta comment here about chapter 11. One of the beautiful things about chapter 11 is that the writer being a Jewish steeped in the Old Testament uh, you know, stories tells it in order. Yeah. He gives a chronological order of faith. Yeah, You know, sort of starting with yeah. the creation of the That's world right. and then building it, building it through, building it through, getting into – and he sort of – doesn't give up steam. I shouldn't use the example give yeah. up steam. But by verse 31, he's, he talks about, you know, Israel marching around Jericho for seven days. And then faith – by faith, Rahab the prostitute did what she did. Yeah. And then he's like, look, how much more do I need to say? Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And he just lists a yeah. bunch of names and and in yeah. shorter examples – but I love that chronological part of it. The yep. Bible nerd in me goes, yes, he's doing it in order, yep. Yep. building this story. And, you know, and he even hints at, he doesn't even mention some by name. He hints at stories like they shut the mouth as lines and we go, I know yeah. that story. I yeah, know that story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, um, I
0: mean, m- maybe we can, maybe uh, after a break we'll, we'll work through yeah. uh, this, uh, this chapter. But just another general thing to say about this chapter is that lists of heroes are quite common. Actually this is a very it's a very rabbinic thing to do that working yeah. through these examples as you mentioned, but it's also quite common in Greek literature to mention to give lists of heroes. Wow, okay. And and interestingly in Greek thought someone who does something in faith is not would not be considered so heroic. That would just be considered stupid. Yeah. But again, <laughs> that's why that's why he has to redefine faith. Okay. Uh I mean he he, he in, in a strict sense it's not a definition of well, it is a definition of faith, but in terms of what faith does. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, so, so in, in in the sense, what he has to do is that he redefines faith in order to make sense to, to change our idea of what a hero really looks like. Yeah. Because this this framework is, you know, heroes are people that that you know uh, like. Uh, Odysseus and, and um, like Achilles and, yeah. you know, like the, these guys were, were heroic individuals who yeah. stepped out. And,
1: and and in the Greek way of thinking about that, the, their power or their heroic attributes were like self-contained. Yeah, that's right. It, it yeah. came from within them, you know, type of thing. Yeah. It was ordained type of thing. But all of these examples are by faith they did something that was, you know, yeah, outside of what other people thought was the normal yeah, reality. That's right. Yeah. Well, l- l- look. J- let's just fly through. We'll, we'll worry about a break later on. But let's just fly through, Matt. Point out sure. some of these people that you would love to point out in this in this, uh, you know, itinerary sure. of amazingness. Sure. Um, so, first of all, it's
0: interesting that he talks about by faith we understand that the universe was created. Um, This, again, this is a great example of faith because this is still, we're still in a way defining faith by what faith does. And here, faith discerns the unseen creative activity of God behind the visible universe, you see. Mm. Um, uh, So there's this capacity of faith to demonstrate the reality of something that can't be perceived Mm. through sense perception. And this is actually this is celebrated as a kind of knowledge. as I said, it's like this connection with this unseen reality. Yep. So by faith we under we look at the universe, we understand, oh, yep, God created this, right. Um, it's actually faith in our connection with God that gives us this this knowledge. It's not just empirical proof and, and you know the latest arg- you know argument from design or the latest cosmological argument mm, mm. that gives us this knowledge. Mm. Um, I mean, that can be fine. But actually it's our faith and our connection with God gives us kind of a spiritual capacity to recognize, oh, that's God. You know, yes. when you when you when you you look at, at things and you think, oh, isn't God great? You know, that we should not apologize for that. We should not, you know, uh, bow to those who it's, oh, well, just give me proof of that. It's mm. like no, we have this immediate sense of that. It's an immediate knowledge as opposed to a knowledge mediated through. Um, uh, proofs and evidences and and, uh, chains of syllogisms proofs, you know, logical proofs.
1: And and, and it's definitely a, uh, uh, you know, you lay that on top of the truth that has been spoken at from the very beginning in the Old Testament that God desires not just us to live under the rules but for our hearts to change and he can immediately, you know, be in our soft hearts, give yeah. us the hearts, commune yeah. with us. This is like an, there's, a, there's a a pattern here yeah. with that. Yeah. That idea of, of, of you know, from the very beginning, Moses talking about he wants a heart of flesh that, you know, that he's involved and in he's yeah. going to indwell. Yeah. Now we yeah. see that faith is sort of a similar type of relationship. Yeah, yeah that's right. So I, and I love the fact that the very beginning, you know, the, one of the first ones there, Abel, he says at the end, he, although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us today by his example of faith. Yeah. And that sort of sets up all the rest of them. Okay, these people are long yeah. dead, but they're going to speak to us what the example is and what faith actually is. Yeah, and, and in relation to Abel,
0: I mean, one of the big questions when you just deal alone with the text of Genesis 4, mm. which is the uh, Cain and Abel narrative, the, the big question is, what was why did God accept Abel's sacrifice over Cain's? Yeah. Okay, and I mean, one might say, well, his was a blood sacrifice, and in view of the fall of man, the God was simply saying, "Oh yeah, I require these." Yes, but there's something more that the the writer is pointing out. I, I, I don't discount that. Um, I think that's one of the reasons yeah. why the blood sacrifice was received. Um, but um, there was. The, the writer of Hebrews is saying, but there was faith here that actually, because he wants to say that what God is looking for from us primarily is faith. We, it's through our faith that we are commended by God. That's yeah. what he's looking for. Mm. So um, he is explaining the Cain and Abel incident by saying, when, when Abel brought his offering to God, he came in an attitude of faith. Mm. Now, he doesn't explain any more of that, but that for him is sufficient explanation as to yeah. why God accepted that sacrifice, yeah. because it came with faith. Um, he talks about Enoch. It's interesting that he mentions Enoch because we're given almost nothing yeah. about Enoch in uh, in Genesis. Um, I think the writer assumes that really only a man of faith could enjoy close communion with God. Yeah. And um, and so this, uh, this then, he says this is sufficient um for him then to ascribe to uh enoch this yes
1: status of, as a man of faith. And and it's funny in that example of Enoch again that is a strange little example but to me this if, if again if we want to get particular and people say oh what's your favorite book my book of hebrews. Yep. What's your favorite chapters in the book of hebrews you know 10 and yep. 11 just powerful. All right, what's your favorite verse? What's your one of your favorite verses in the bible? This is it. This is it for me. In this weird little example of 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 Enoch yeah. we get verse 6 of chapter 11 yep. and to me this sums up what christianity is for yep. me, right? It is impossible to please God without faith. Yeah. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God is or God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him or sincerely seek him. Yeah. That to me, when I understood that, I, 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 that verse hit me th- through the eyes as a teenager. Yeah. And I, I, it just I realised right then and there that anything that I brought to God like the Cain sacrifice, yeah. anything that I brought to God, as in what That's I right. knew about God, yeah. I had to give up and believe that He
0: is. Yeah, or, or if it doesn't come with faith, it's not. Yeah. it's not what God wants because because we might do things for God and bring things to God. Yes, because we don't believe that we're accepted, or because for, because of a lack of faith. Yes, as a way of trying to win God over or or something, yeah. but the example of both. Um, uh, Abel and then Enoch yeah. uh, is otherwise because the, the interesting thing about Enoch is that he is described as one who walked with God. He yeah. walked with God. Yeah. Says the same thing about Noah actually, and this I think for this writer that's it's that's pretty much the same as saying he had faith. Yes, because basically faith is walking with God. Yep. God says, "Hey, we're going to go here." Okay, I'm going. Yep. Rather than, "Oh, oh, but what's there? What, what what's going to happen?" No, no, he just walked with God, and. And then God took him away. He's one of the, you know, few people that who just gets taken yeah. up. Yes, you know, yes. Elijah is, is the other one. Yeah. Of course, Jesus is 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 the other one again. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, so faith here is is this connection with God. And and I think this is beautiful because it's not like some achievement. God's saying, I want you. <laughs> right. Yes. yes. I, don't, I don't want your. No. Yes. I, I don't want your achievements. I, I don't want you to try and make me happy and 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 to live. I I, I actually want you. Yeah. And that's what faith is. Yeah. Faith is us walking with God. It's us keeping in step with God. Faith is our connection with God. Yeah. And God is saying, "That's what I want." Yeah. And without that, you, you can try and do all of these things, and many people have done many things through lack of faith
1: as a way of trying to, trying to connect with God. But God says, that doesn't please me. No. And there's a promise in here as well. It's when you do this, when you have this faith, and I think another example of faith for me in this is the seeking, the yeah. digi- sincerely seeking and wanting to be with him for who yeah. he is, not who we expect him to be. Yeah. When he does that, he says, yeah. I will reward you. Yeah. there's a reward in this relationship you're going to be rewarded yeah. if you diligently seek me for who I am and I love that we see these examples of who these people are you know Noah Abraham so on and so on uh you know Sarah yeah. even you know yeah. with, the, with the with the child there it's amazing it's interesting uh
0: that he talks about um seeking God because uh he this this idea in the psalms is very important uh, yeah. of seeking god as an expression of faith that faith actually expresses itself in this persistence in seeking god and making appeals to god's promises yeah. and yeah. and this is what jesus refers to in luke chapter 18 when he tells the parable of the persistent widow you know the story about the widow yes. who goes yeah. and bangs on the door of the judge and keeps on and keeps on and doesn't it's give echo- up echoing the psalms that's right that's echoing the psalms yeah. that's what the psalms did and then jesus says at the end of that but when the son of man comes will he find faith on the earth yeah this is what he's looking for yeah and i think this is important for us because um it, it we, we're not very good at seeking you know it like we it, w- would another way to say it is desiring well it, it's yes it is it is that but
1: but not just a sitting there going an ac- like a mental i w- i desire this you know type of thing yeah. but it's that like he gives the example. Jesus gives the examples for this. It's selling out everything and saying, yeah, yeah. my life is, is, yeah.
0: It is desire expressed in it persistence. Yeah, yeah. It's desire expre- <laughs> is, is, now, because the question might well be asked, Yes. well, why Why do we need to seek? I mean, if I said to my children, if you want me, then seek me. And I, it's like, what, are you going to go and hide? Right? Or, or <laughs> You know, well, well, with God, this is important. And clearly it's important because God gives us time to seek. And clearly from the Psalms, remember this is written within a strong Jewish tradition, steeped yeah. in the Psalms. In fact, book of Hebrews quotes from the Psalms a lot. A lot. Okay. So the thought world of the Psalms is very present here. This idea of seeking God, is that there's an importance to that because in the process of seeking, faith is exercised. Mm. So you might be facing enemies and you want God to help you with your enemies, right? So God will... Kind of leave you in that situation without, you know, for for a a while to keep seeking and keep seeking because he actually wants you. Because what God wants is not so much to change your circumstances but to change you. Mm. He wants to draw you close. So the thing, what happens when we seek God is that we exercise our desire for God. And when you exercise a desire, it grows. Okay. So the the process of seeking actually strengthens our connection with God Mm. because the more we exercise that desire, the more that desire outgrows other desires. So we we become more fixed on God. And And that's, see, this is why, this is... Without faith, it's impossible to please yes, God. Yes. Because God's saying, What I want is faith. Yeah. It's not those externals, it's not it's like so keep seeking yeah. because that's an
1: expression of faith. The uh we need to go back into more esoteric thing because you're getting a bit practical here. You know, I'm getting convicted. I'm getting convicted <laughs> of what God's doing in my life. Okay. So we need to we need to get now. This is this is great stuff. And and it it's just, oh gee, it, 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 it pulls in so many different pictures and analogies from everything that he's painting here. It's so rich and yep. so deep. And this, if I can, again, st- take a step back and get a little bit meta or look at a bigger picture, this chapter is why, mm. amongst a myriad of other reasons. Mm. But if we aren't fully invested and know and have memorised, not in a rote religious fashion, but if the stories of the Old Testament aren't imprinted into mm. our hearts as our stories, mm. we are losing Everything yeah. in this chapter. Yeah. Like the emotional yeah. impacts yeah, aren't there. Yeah. The the teaching isn't there. We can it's not going, oh let's do a um, an overview now about the life of Abraham mm. and the hit points yep. here of that and and, and knowing mm. where the chapter and verses are. No, no, no. We have to feel like we've yeah. walked through Abraham's life so that when we see this example of faith, we go Oh, I yeah. get it. I get yeah, it, right. what was happening behind the scenes, yeah. especially when we get, to get down because we've got to wrap it up a little bit here. We could spend all, all week in this
0: one. Let me just, as we move down, I just want to note a couple of things. Go for it. First of all, in the case of Noah, note it says, it says here, by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, right? Because, mm-hmm. again, he's still dealing with this thing. Like it wasn't seen. He didn't have empirical proof for it, but, but faith – was the substance of things not seen, you see. So that's the point he's making there. Great example. Um, And then, again, um, he goes down to – he talks about Abraham. Abraham, of course, is the great example of faith. Interestingly, he says, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive. Um, Because Sarah in the Genesis narrative doesn't look like Uh, someone who's got a lot of faith. No, not at all. She laughs when the angels say – but clearly – you know clearly she comes around in the intervening period yes. because um you know she she receives
1: this this promise and this is why i love this so much yeah. because we get this idea that faith is is a magic potion or a holier than holy experience yeah. or someone is walking yeah. a foot off the ground yeah. and in this narrative it goes no no faith can be the person that when god comes to you and tells you the truth you go <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. And, he's, and it's like, no, no, that's part of the journey. That's because you're being honest great and point. real. Yeah. here, type of thing. And you go, oh, I don't have to be this pretend. Because yeah. there's this interaction that yes. Sarah has
0: with God. And it's a great interaction there in the Genesis text where God said, "You, because you laughed. And she, no, it, no, I did it. Yes, yeah. you did. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the you go and have yeah. a look at it. It's, it's, it's a classic narrative. It's great. And, and you're right. That is part of her process. So I love the fact that she is put up there with with Abraham mm. As an example of faith. Oh. Uh, and uh, so it um, it goes to from Abraham, Sarah, uh, it says, verse 13, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them oh. and greeted them from afar. So I love the way he talks about Noah, though he hadn't yet seen it, but... He's now talking about a different kind of seeing, a seeing in faith, a different kind of perception. But having seen them, um, uh, and then he he goes on to talk about um, this, uh, that Abraham was promised the land and he didn't inherit the land himself, but he has inherited a heavenly land. This is this. The heavenly homeland. The heavenly homeland. This is where, again, the writer of Hebrews is always wanting to point beyond the physical intermediate mm. types mm. to the ultimate antitypes, types uh, And, and th- you know, the antitype for the land is this
1: heavenly, mm. uh, the new heavens and the new earth. Which so is e- echoing the rest that he's talked That's about right. previously in the book. That's right. Okay, so Abraham offers Isaac as a, yeah. as a call of faith. And we see Isaac, yeah. uh, you know, and Jacob and Esau, yeah. uh, you know, being talked about as examples of the faith. Any, who else in the list here well, that you wanted to point out?
0: I mean, Jacob again isn't always doesn't look like a man of faith, but yep. yet he's commended uh, by faith. Joseph uh, at the end of his life, um, you know, again made mention of the Exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning it. Because this is all about people who uh, believe things about the future. Yes, it's very future oriented. This cause it's it's the the the, the um. Conviction of things hoped for, the substance of things hoped for. Mm. So it's casting into the um, into the future. Uh, by faith, in verse 27, by faith Moses left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Again, we have this idea yes. of this is a kind of seeing. This is a kind of knowledge. Yes. It's not physical sense perception, but faith is uh, is a kind of sight.
1: And that and that echoes all the beautiful stories of Jesus oh sorry, Jesus, of God himself interacting yeah. with Moses on the mountain, which he's already talked about. Yeah. And it, it echoes in the fact that we know that Moses, one of Moses's cry was to see God yeah. as he communicated with him. So we get an example of that in this and what faith is. Um, Rahab is interesting that I mean it talks about the people crossing
0: the Red Sea, which again is interesting because you don't think of the Israelites who crossed the Red Sea, as having a lot of faith. I mean, I think uh, it was probably Moses' faith there yeah. that was at work. But still, uh, you know, th- there's um, there's mention of the people there yeah, as well. Yeah. It Amazing. doesn't mention Moses, it mentions the people. Yes. So it's great that great examples of faith are mentioned as well as those who perhaps only had a mustard seed yes. of faith. Um, the mention of Rahab is interesting because she um, she acknowledges – because. In the episode of Rahab, she acknowledges that uh, that these spies uh, belong to this people about whom it said their God is among them. They did these wonders in Egypt, and so she is exercising faith with a little bit of knowledge, like a rumor of a people among whom God dwells. Like that's she's operating on this distant rumor of God, and. The writer says she had faith yeah. by faith. Yeah, she hid these uh, she hid these spies
1: and and, uh, and and didn't therefore perish. Can I can I because we're fast running out of time, Matt? Can I jump to the uh, to the end here and some point that I think we we often want to skip in yep. chapter eleven, and that's the end of it. And he says, you know, by and this is the same thing. But uh, you know, by uh, by faith, these great examples happen. And then in halfway through verse thirty-five, he says, but in, in the same principle by faith. Others were tortured, yeah. refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the yep. resurrection. Some were jeered at. Some had their backs cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with a yep. sword. Some went with wearing skins and sheep goats, just destitute and oppressed and mistreated. And they endured and they, endured and they yep. were hiding in caves and everything. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yeah. He's talking there. They, they,
0: I mean, uh that is referring back to the time of the Maccabees actually yeah. when um, when th- there was terrible terrible things you can read about this in in second Maccabees I mean you can jump online and get these books but it's an amazing read what these faithful Jews uh, who were try- the, the the Greeks were trying to force them under Antiochus the fourth Epiphanes were being forced to... Uh, do things against their law but they would rather be tortured than not you know so so they persevered and he's saying you've got to be like them mm. you've got to stand up for your faith like mm. them because in this time th- these were the stories that were relevant these are the he- these are the heroes of the faith for them and um uh, and uh, 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 sawn in two of course according to tradition Isaiah, Isaiah. the prophet Isaiah yeah, the prophet. was sawn in two so these are these are poignant examples uh for these people and then he finishes and all these. Uh, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, mm-hmm. since God had provided something better for us, that apart from
1: us they should not be made perfect. Now, question to finish off. As I was going through it again, I've read through this so many times. That final sentence, and in the, in the New Living Translation it says, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Now, it, on, on a cursory reading, it sounds like it's all dependent on us, no, it's a corporate way of thinking. This is a corporate mindset. So
0: it's not just about you and yes. it's not just about me, it's about us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's saying we're part of something that stretches back to then. Yeah. And uh, so and and he's saying to these to these readers, he's saying you are part of something much bigger than just yourself. So it's essential that you remain faithful. Um, and and this idea here that these people didn't receive what was promised because uh, it, it was right that things uh, only came to perfection in the fullness of time, you know, mm. that, that together our cumulative experience and with the new covenant experience as the culmination of that, that this really fulfills everything in the past. So that's mm. this idea that apart from us, they should not be made, made perfect. So... In a sense, he's saying what we're experiencing is the perfection of, is the fulfilment and therefore the perfection of what they hoped for. Yeah,
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. let's. Okay, we've got to wrap it up here. We're running out of time. Okay. Uh, So as we finish chapters 10 and 11 and we pause uh, until next week when we finish off the book of Hebrews, Matt, is there anything you want us to keep in mind as we, you know, look at this amazing chapter? There is so much in here. What would you recommend us to do? I would recommend that uh, we
0: think really, really hard about what we are investing in our faith, given what God has invested in us.
1: Oh, man, I tell you what... I was there for the conversation with Matthew in person like that's really me there and I have been looking through the book of Hebrews a lot over the last couple of months but I tell you what just even listening to that again really really encouraged me so I hope it was an encouragement to you if it has been please do us a huge favor head over to Apple Music or iTunes and leave us a positive review write a review give us five stars that goes a long way in people finding our little podcast here now don't forget we've got this exciting opportunity for you to sponsor a prison subscription. That's right. For only $16 per year, you can get four copies of every edition of Thrive into some hands that will really it. Be a light in a very dark place. You can do all of that over at thrivetoday.net.au. And until next week, we're going to finish off the book of Hebrews next week. Can't wait on Thrive Deeper.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you are reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's word and thrive.